Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. Kingdoms 
You know, there's always more than one way to, to look at something, more than one 
angle to see it from, one perspective, more than one interpretation of the exact same picture. And we've seen this repeated to us in, in different ways throughout life. And uh, for instance, there's pictures like this one. Uh, some of you have seen this before, but when some people look at this picture, they see a duck. And other people look at this picture and they see a rabbit. And maybe you've seen this before, and so you actually know how both of them look. But just from, from what you saw first, how many of you at first you saw a duck? Okay, how many of you at first you saw a rabbit? All right, so there's a few, few of us in different places there. There's other sketches that are kind of this way. There's, there's this one that's been around even longer than that. Uh, how many of you, when you see this picture, you see an older woman, we'll say with an extended nose, that's looking in this direction? Anybody see that? Okay, there's a few. How many of you see the young woman who's looking away from us with the fur coat kind of wrapped around her? Yeah. There, there's more familiar, more modern pictures that do similar things. This is one maybe you haven't seen before. This is a picture of a guy who's looking off in one direction, but which direction is he looking? Some of us, how many of us see him looking that direction? Anyone? Okay. How many of the rest of us see him looking straight at us? It's just there's been part of it that's cut away. Yeah. So it's the same picture, same exact picture, same exact image seen in different ways, interpreted in different ways. It it all depends on, on how you see it. And that's been going on since the beginning of time, kind of different perceptions and different interpretations of how we see things. How we interpret images and how we interpret pictures, that's, that's one thing. But we also have different ways of seeing, different ways of interpreting um, actions from people and interpreting moments that take place, interpreting words that are spoken. Maybe even more specific to our modern time, we have different ways that we interpret a text message that gets sent to us, or different ways that we read an email, and we read between the lines and we think that we recognize a certain tone that's coming through, and so we have our interpretation of what was written that may or may not be the same as what was meant. And it goes broader than that. Because sometimes how you interpret those moments, whether it's the actions that are done to you or whether it's that moment that took place or maybe it's the words that are said to you or the text message that's sent to you, how you interpret that one moment in time sets the way that you think about a certain person or sets the way that you think about a a group of people or about a situation or about a location or even how you interpret a certain moment in your own life can sometimes set how you think about you, how you perceive you. And what we've learned over the last couple of years is that left alone to our thoughts, we can spiral off into some pretty dark places when we're thinking about us and when we're thinking about our moments, and our own perception of ourselves over the last 20 months or so may have adjusted, may have changed. Who you thought you were in 2019 may be a little bit or even drastically different than how you think of yourself now. And it's all because of the thoughts that have been spiraling inside of your head. We've heard the term mental health brought up a lot recently and mental health issues are real and they are real for every one of us. No matter who we are, it may be in ways that we've been able to manage and handle and it may be in ways that we haven't, but all of us have dealt with mental health issues and it has had an impact on how we view ourselves. It shows up in the Bible too. There's somebody like Moses. And really, Moses' interpretation of his own life certainly impacted how he saw himself. Uh, Here's what I mean. If, If you were to look in the book of Exodus, and some of you have read the book of Exodus, and so you know Moses' story. Some of you say that you've read the book of Exodus, but the truth is that you've just watched the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston a lot. Some of you know the story of Moses as it comes from the cartoon movie, The Prince of Egypt. Now, however it is that you know the story of Moses, 
The Bible tells the story of Moses this way. These are the, the moments and the details of his life. Moses was born in a time when the Pharaoh of Egypt, who happened to be the most powerful, most authoritative figure on the face of the earth, made a ruthless decision. And that decision was based on the fact that though he was powerful and though he was authoritative, he was watching as a group of Hebrews who lived in his territory were growing in number. And so he made them into slaves, but that didn't slow down their numbers at all. And so he made a decree that every Hebrew baby boy that was born was to be thrown into the river and drowned. That was it. That was all in an effort to kind of shrink down the number of Hebrews over time living in his territory. And it was out of extreme love and selflessness that Moses' mom, when he was born, was willing to take her baby that she had been waiting for her whole life and put him in a basket and float him down the river with hopes that his life would be spared. And his sister was ordered to kind of stay in the weeds and stay in hiding and watch to see what happened with the basket. And his sister got to watch as Moses was lifted up out of the river and out of that basket. And instead of being recognized as a Hebrew baby that needed to be thrown back into the river and drowned, Pharaoh's daughter kept him and took him in as her son. And then God even orchestrated a way for Moses' mom and his sister to continue to be involved in his life when he was an infant, as a nurse and as a caretaker. It was a real miracle that God kind of pulled off to bring that family together for a little while longer. And growing up in the palace of Pharaoh, Moses had the best of everything. Moses had the best clothes, he had the best education, he had the best care, he had the best medicine, he had the best entertainment, he had the best food. But Moses noticed that he was different than some of the other people in the palace. His facial structure, even the tone of his skin was slightly different than everyone else who was roaming around. He looked a lot more like those who were out in the desert, who were the slaves, who were working all the time. And so he recognized that those were actually his people. And since he knew those were his people, he tried to defend one of his countrymen once, and things got out of hand. He made a mistake, and his temper got away from him, and he ended up killing an Egyptian in an effort to try and save one of his own people. And in fear of what that was going to bring and how that was going to kind of play out, he, he left that town and he went to go get a new start on life. And in this next chapter of life, there were amazing moments that happened when he met the woman of his dreams. He married her, they had children together. And in that next chapter of life, it was a life where he left the chaos and the stress and the busyness of leadership back in Egypt and he traded it all for a life of calm and consistency as a father, as a husband, as a shepherd. The first 40 years of Moses' life had been very busy, very crazy, very stressful. The second 40 years of his life were quiet, and blissful, At least that's one interpretation of the events that took place. But that's not how Moses saw it. Same story, same picture, same moments that happened and yet seen in completely different ways, interpreted in a completely different perspective from Moses himself and what he thought of his story. to Moses when he was born for reasons that he still couldn't really fathom. 
he was abandoned by his biological family and orphaned. They cast him aside. Somehow he was picked up by some rich people who thought it would be a pretty good PR move if they took in this orphaned slave boy and treated him publicly as one of their own. He had dangled in front of him all of the best of things. Dangled in front of him were the best food, the best clothes, the best medicine, the best entertainment, the best education. He even lived in the palace, and yet while he lived there, it was made clear to him that none of it was really his. That he didn't earn any of it, he didn't deserve any of it. And he always was made to feel as though he didn't really belong there. He knew that wasn't his home, and he also recognized that the people who were living out in the desert as slaves, they were a lot more like him. He'd already started to think that those were probably his people, and there was a moment where he even tried to stand up for his people, and the moment he tried one time to stand up for his people, they turned on him too, and they disowned him too. And then the one thing that he had been afraid of his entire life happened. His grandfather adopted the Pharaoh, the most powerful and authoritative man on the face of the earth, went hunting for him. And Moses was running for his life. He was hiding in the hills, he was in a self imposed witness protection program doing everything he could to stay out of sight and basically not exist. He had lived in the palace for a big portion of his life. There were people in the palace who regarded him as a prince and now he was nothing but a pauper living in the mountains like an animal. He had a wife and he had kids, but they had never seen him at his best. In fact, Moses was pretty convinced that the best version of his life had already passed. And he was now just waiting for the days to roll by so he could die. Anybody else depressed? It's the same story. It's the same moments. It's the same picture. But they are interpreted in very different ways. You know your story. You know your events. You know your activities. The question is, how do you take all of those events and all of those moments and all of those stories and how do you interpret your story? Is it the first way or the second way? For a lot of us, it's actually that we interpret all of those events and all of those activities both ways. It just depends on the day. There are some of us who are having a really good day, and we will remember some of the great times from our childhood, and we'll remember the fun moments that happened, and we'll remember those activities that have gone on in life that have allowed our life to go every step of the way up and to the right. But then there are other days that we have. They're bad days, they're dark days. And in the dark days, we just remember the what ifs. And we remember the missteps. And we remember the mistakes. And we start to remember how far life is from what we always thought life would be. And much of what we've all endured over the past couple of years has left us reliving those dark portions of our story far more frequently than we would care to mention. See, the father of lies is still at work, and he is at work today as much as he was at work in the life of Moses when he was in Egypt or when he was in Midian. See, from age 40 to age 80, Moses was wandering around in the mountains of Midian. He was a shepherd whose task it was to move sheep in and out of the sheep trails there on the mountains. 
And as he was moving, as he was moving along, there was nobody else with him. Day after day after day after day, Moses was left with his own thoughts. And given his interpretation of how life had gone, given his view of his story, those were not happy times. Those were not positive days that he contemplated. Moses relived that one day when he lost his temper over and over and over again to the point that he believed the lie that that's who he really was. And he needed to do everything he, needed, he could do to make sure that never happened again. And Moses heard the lies that no one had really ever wanted him. And no one really wanted him now. And Moses heard the lies that all of those accomplishments that he had achieved in the first 40 years of his life were not really all that impressive. Moses had even heard the lie that the life that he was living right now was as good as it was going to get. And that all of the best parts of life had passed him by. He was left with this feeling that there was nothing to do, nowhere to be, and no one who would really want him now anyway. Can I just tell you that none of those lies have gone away? There are some of you who are sitting in this room who are hearing and are listening to those exact same lies in your life right now. You may be 15, or you may be 35, or you may be 50, or 65, or 80, and you are still left open to hearing an interpretation of your story that leaves you in the exact same place that Moses was. That you've already messed up beyond repair. That you've blown it. That, that you are damaged goods and God's not really interested in you. That, that you've gotten to a place where God may still accept you to some degree, but he's never gonna work through you, he's never gonna work around you, he's never gonna work near you because of who you are. And that may seem like that's over-the-top thinking and that's exaggeration and that nobody's really thinking that. But I'm promising you that those are lies that are really in the minds of our students right now. And those are lies that are really in the minds of our generations right now. And those are lies that are really in the minds of our marriages right now and of our parents right now and of our grandparents right now. And here's how God responds to the lies that swirl around in our head and take us into those dark places and take us into those depressed places. I mean, at that point in Moses' life, when he was in that place of discouragement and he was in that place of disappointment and he was in that place of depression... It's right there that we get to Exodus chapter three. Now, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to open there with me, and you can use your phone or your tablet or your Bible, whatever it is, Exodus chapter three, and when you get there, you're going to see something that looks very familiar. Exodus chapter three gets us to a place that most of us who have um, watched the Ten Commandments, seen the Prince of Egypt, or actually read the Bible can remember from Moses' story. It's the moment when Moses is out walking with his sheep and he comes across a bush that's on fire but it doesn't burn up. And when we get to that place where there is this unbelievable miracle that's happening right in front of Moses' eyes, you gotta realize that is God getting Moses' attention. And I just wanna say that despite any distractions that you may be allowing to filter into your mind right now, God may be right now trying to get your attention too. Exodus chapter three, verse six. This is what God says to Moses in the middle of his swirling. 
He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. And given how Moses views himself, given Moses' interpretation of his story, he just can't see this. He can't imagine that God's got the right guy. In fact, the Bible tells us on a couple of occasions, if you'll look there, that Moses protested. Shows up in verse 11 and in verse 13 of Exodus chapter three. He said, you've got the wrong guy. I can't do this. You need somebody who has more value than me. For 40 years, Moses had been walking around in those mountains, listening to the lies in his head. How long have you been listening to the lies in yours? Because whether your version of your story is glittery and glossy, or whether your version of your story is dark and gloomy, all of the events and all of the connections that you make to your story that lead you to those conclusions, all of those activities and all of those moments happened after the most significant moment of your life. Because before all of those things took place, you were created by God. Before all of those other things happened, you were created by the God of the universe. And so that means that when it comes to your picture, and it comes to your painting, and it comes to your story, you were created by God, and God values who he creates. Now, it may have been a while since you thought about it that way. Sometimes it's hard to climb over all of those lies that we have heard in the past to think of ourselves in these ways. But before all the mistakes and before all the sins and before all the abandonments and before all the rejections and before all the failures, you were knit together by the creator of all things. You were fearfully and wonderfully made When God talks about you and speaks to Jeremiah the prophet, these are the words that he used. He said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Who are you? You are the one who is created by the God of the universe, who is so in love with you and so smitten by everything about you that he has plans for you, and he has a future for you, and he has joy for you that is beyond the right now. Plans that go beyond who you are now, plans that go beyond what you've done now, no matter how old you are, no matter what your pile of mistakes and failures may seem to be, he values you, and he has plans for you that go beyond the now. These are the plans that he had for Moses. Moses had a plan that God had for him to lead in the most talked about rescue mission in the history of mankind, literally. Not just to that point, but the rescue mission that people would be talking about and rewriting about and doing movies about and doing cartoons about for centuries to come. Those are the plans, that was the future that God had for this 80-year-old man who thought he was worthless. That's a big plan. And Moses protested. He got the wrong guy. 
I don't have the clout, I don't have the chips, I don't have the experience. And the most powerful human being on the face of the earth is never gonna listen to me. To which God says to Moses something that he repeats to you and that he repeats to me. And that is, oh, it's not just you. We're going together. Exodus chapter three, verse 12, and God said, I will be with you. Whatever or whoever or whenever has convinced you that you're not enough. Can I just tell you why you are more than enough? (laughs) You're more than enough because the God of the universe created you and values you, but because the God of the universe stands beside who he creates. Jesus reminded us of the exact same thing. When Jesus was on the other side of his crucifixion, on the other side of the resurrection, and he was teaching his followers, that's us, for kind of the last moment, he told us to go on mission for him. And he said, look, you're gonna go and you're gonna lead people closer to me over and over and over again. You're gonna baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and I need you to teach people what I have taught you. And then he closed it all up with the final words that Matthew records of Jesus before Jesus ascended into heaven. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, where Jesus said, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He has plans. He has hope. He has a future of joy for you that is beyond the right now. And it is significant enough that he is not sending you into it alone. He, the God and creator of the universe, is going to stand right beside you in what is so beyond anything that you have dreamed of to this point. This is not the beyond that you have already been through. This is not the beyond that you've already accomplished. As he was talking to Moses at 80 years old, the beyond was still to come. And as he talks to you right now, the beyond is still to come. But Moses wasn't done protesting. Because Moses knew that he was gonna walk into an environment and into an atmosphere even with his own people, even with the nation of Israel, where they were not going to forget what the past was like. And he was convinced that their version of his story was the same version that he had of his story. And that there was never going to be a way to overcome the past. Again, you've got the wrong guy. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, that's a word that was so powerful you weren't even allowed to say it out loud, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. God handed Moses his resume. And he said, look, if anybody gets in our way, then just move me to the front and that will end it. God has plans, God has a future God has hope for you that is beyond where you are right now and is beyond what you have done so far. 
And the plans that he has require us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our God, the creator of the universe, is standing right beside us every step of the way. But there will also be moments where God stands up for who he creates. And that's true for you no matter what your bank account says. And that's true for you no matter what your birth certificate says. And that's true for you no matter what your job status is right now or how many friends you have on social media. Those are all things that we let spin in our mind, have power and have importance in this world. But none of those things have power and rank over the God of the universe. And the father of lies who is working so hard, maybe even right now, to remind you of all the things that you have done that have been mistakes and have been sins and have been failures. And he's reminding you of your dark interpretation of your story that is a depressing version of your story. That father of lies is no match for I am. So who are you gonna listen to? Because really, this is the ultimate question. It's a question that that we have to decide on, the one that we have to answer when it comes to moving beyond where we are right now. Who are you going to listen to? Are you gonna listen to the father of lies? Or are you going to listen to the creator of all things who happens to also be your heavenly father? Because Satan is a thief and a liar who has had centuries of practice trying to lie to us about who we are. And that practice goes all the way back to the time of Moses as he was convincing Moses of how worthless he was. And he was convincing Moses of how the past was the best that it was ever gonna be. And he was convincing Moses that the best he could hope for is just wait for the days to go by until he dies. But when the truth was spoken to Moses, something changed. In fact, you can go back and read through the entire story of Exodus and start in chapter four and move forward from there. And it's not that Moses never makes another mistake and it's not that Moses doesn't have missteps and even sins along the way. But Moses' version of his own story changes from that point forward. Because he left the burning bush to go lead a nation out of slavery and lead them to the promised land. But it didn't happen until he chose to accept truth instead of a lie. And the truth is this. God values who he creates. And God stands beside who he creates and God stands up for who he creates. So who are you going to listen to? For some of us that The truth is that Jesus died for your sins and wants to cover you with grace and wants to cover you with forgiveness and wants to lead your life from this point forward. That's the truth. And there have been all kinds of lies that have been fed to you to keep you from making that decision to accept that grace and that forgiveness. And perhaps today needs to be a day that you say no to the lies and you accept the truth and you're baptized in Jesus' name, maybe it needs to be a day where you kind of move out of the shadows and decide to be part of the family and part of the church here at First Christian Church and continue the mission that was given to us by our Lord and our Savior. Today can be a day that you accept Jesus. It can be a day that you become part of the church. It can be a day where you just decide that you are gonna say no to the lies that have been swirling in your head for quite some time that have changed your story and adjusted your story in your own head. And you will listen to the truth that comes from our Father. 
the truth that you have value, the truth that he stands beside you, the truth that he stands up for you. Who are we going to listen to about who we are? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you have given us the opportunity to make decisions on our own. And you've given us the freedom of that choice. But you have given us every reason over and over and over again to come to you, to choose you. And even in those moments when we have walked away from you, run away from you, hid from you, you have come searching for us. And you draw us back into your love and you draw us back into your truth. And God, would you help us overwhelm the lies in our head with the truth that comes from you, that we are valued by you because you created us. And even now, may we recognize that you stand beside us to lead us to the beyond that is beyond where we are right now. We thank you for the future and the hope and the joy that comes through you. And we pray for all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask that you'd stand with me this morning. And if you have one of those decisions to make, if today needs to be a day that you say yes to the truth, that grace and forgiveness and leadership in your life was meant for you, that he died for you, that he rose for you, then today can be a day that you walk right down these aisles as we sing together and say yes to Jesus and get baptized even today. If you have questions about that, there'll be folks here to talk with you about those questions. Maybe it's that you wanna be a part of this church. It's a decision we would love for you to make and we'd love to have you with us. Again, it may be something you have questions about. There'll be people here to talk with you. For many of us, it's just a moment where we worship and we celebrate, but we worship the truth and we get rid of the lies in this moment. So whatever decision you have to make, whether it's walking down aisles or right where you are, may we worship and praise and celebrate right now as we sing together. Yeah.
Sing that out. Giants fall. 